back in the saddle. Dylan Larkin, eight years, 8.7 a year. Steve Eiserman got a deal done that had to be done. There's no two other ways around it. That's it. Plain and simple. I don't care if you love Dylan Larkin. I don't care if you're his best friend. I don't care if you hate the guy. I don't care if he banged your whore girlfriend. I don't care if he shoved you in a locker back at Waterford High. I really don't. There was a deal that needed to be made for the Detroit Red Wings, for Steve Eiserman, and obviously Dylan Larkin. He was going to get his money no matter what happened. And the Red Wings got it done. There's a lot to talk about with the Larkin deal. I just, first off, thank God it's over. I mean, thank God it's over. Thank God it doesn't need to be. It was a storyline last year. People, not only a little bit of the chatter, like, is Steve Eiserman going to get rid of him? Like, is he a trade piece? Should we be shopping around Dylan Larkin? But already with the, he hasn't extended him. He hasn't extended him. So surely he must not see him as part of the long-term picture. Thank fucking God that that shit's over with, dude. I can't take it anymore. I could barely take the one day today. I could barely take the deal actually getting done and talking about it on Twitter, making the TikToks, Instagram. I could barely handle that. How the fuck is this deal so polarizing? Somebody explain that to me. And I hate to start the episode off on such a hot note, but this is the one piece of news in Detroit sports today. All right, we've got the basketball teams. Um, Michigan, massive game. This is going to come out Thursday, so massive game tonight. On the road, I think, against Illinois, they need it, I I think, right? I think Michigan, at least from this point on, I think they kind of need every single game that they play if they're going to make the tournament. And then they probably need a couple in the Big Ten tournament as well, I believe. I'm not a bracketologist. (laughs) Fucking fake-ass job. I'm not a bracketologist, but I believe that's the case. Michigan State, I think that win against Nebraska kind of sealed our fate. We have Ohio State at home Saturday on senior night. Obviously, would like to send those guys out on a W. We kiss the Spartan head. Chris Holtman cries in his fucking spilled milk, whatever the – Cries in his milk, cries in his cereal, whatever. You know what I'm trying to say. Chris Holman's a little bitch about us kissing the Spartan head, ideally. Um, and then it's Big Ten tournament time. I think, you know, we know where State's at. This win or, win or loss against Ohio State isn't going to make or break anything. It's not going to change, I don't think, anybody's mind, anybody's opinion about the basketball team. I know, you know, I had those videos. I had the tough moment against Nebraska. So yesterday's episode, I mentioned I, it came out. I hadn't watched the Red Wings. I had not watched the Michigan State game. Red Wings got smashed again, and I think that kind of led them to what they did today. Obviously, they re-signed Dylan Larkin, but they also got rid of Philip Ronick. He's off to Vancouver with a fourth-round pick, and in return, Steve Eiserman corrals a first-round pick conditionally and a second-round pick. Um, yeah, it's it doesn't get much more clear than that, right? Those two games against Ottawa, it doesn't get much more clear than that. You're wondering if we're a playoff team. Steve Eiserman, before he goes to sleep every night, is fucking jostling with himself. Do I sell? Do I stay pat? Do I buy? It gave you his answer. That I mean, Ottawa, we were in the same exact spot, both Ottawa and Detroit, going into that two-game series. What do we do? Do we sell? Do we buy? Do we stay pat? Both teams were in the exact same fucking spot, and they smoked us twice. It wasn't like it was a 3-2 loss and a 3-2 loss. It wasn't like that Tampa Bay game where we outshot them nearly three times and still lost. We got fucking demolished twice in a row. Physically, the play on the ice, the game of hockey, dominated. 
out coached, out efforted. We got we got embarrassed. We got bullied. It didn't look like we even belonged on the same sheet of ice as the Ottawa Senators. And that's the craziest part about it. It's the Ottawa Senators. That wasn't a two-game series against the Boston Bruins. That wasn't a two-game series against the Rangers, who we had just beaten. That wasn't a two-game series against Tampa Bay. That was the Ottawa Senators. When that series started, they were beneath us in the standings. It doesn't get much more clear than that. That was Steve Eiserman's. That's the red flag for the bull. The Matadors waving. See you, Philip Ronick. Get the fuck out of Detroit. And he's still got another day, another day and a half, um, to make any more moves that he may be considering. So we'll see. I'm not so sure that the that the Detroit Red Wings roster as it is today when you're hearing this will be the exact same on March 4th. I'm not so sure that'll be the case. I do think Jacob Chitrin speak Chikrin speaking of uh Ottawa just bettering us in every facet of the game of hockey. He got snapped up by the Ottawa Senators. I thought and everybody else when we made that move, Fronick, when we acquired the two extra picks, I thought maybe Steve Eiserman was looking at making a run for Chikrin. And those were going to play into the package there. Turns out Ottawa gets him for a first, for a second, and I believe for an additional second. Um, so it would have been the Hronik trade and another second to get Chikrin. I wouldn't be surprised if Steve Eiserman either A, refused to throw in that second second, or, um, you know, was just late to the gun or whatever the case is. They wanted to do the deal with Ottawa as opposed to Detroit. But I wouldn't be surprised if when Steve Eiserman made that Hronick deal, he had a run at Chikrin in mind. I would not be surprised. He's gone to Ottawa. Um, there's still other guys out there. And not to mention, right, there's a couple other guys out there that Steve might be looking at as, hey, they could be a piece moving th- forward. But we are a fucking haven for bad contracts. You need to dump some salary. Give us a pick. You got an old washed-up veteran who's not doing much? Give us a pick. We will be those guys. We will help you out. And Tyler Bertuzzi. Tyler Bertuzzi. I think the biggest names coming into the trade deadline this year, I think Bertuzzi was one. And I think if you had to pick a second, not including Larkin, Zadina, Hronick, like I think Tyler Bertuzzi is that next name. If the Detroit Red Wings are going to get rid of somebody else before the third's over with, Tyler Bertuzzi's probably that guy. I wouldn't hate it to be totally honest with you. Um, I wouldn't hate it. I wouldn't be jumping with joy. I'm kind of indifferent. Like, whatever Stevie does, I'm cool with. If he gets a good return, I think the Hronick return was outstanding, a first-round and a second-round pick. Both of them, I think, are going to be top 40 overall picks for the Red Wings. Nuts. I mean, that's fucking incredible for Philip Hronick. Hate to disrespect the guy. I know he's been having a great year this year. But we've seen him for four others, right? That turnover against Ottawa, that's that guy. He still does shit like that. You know what I mean? Like, I, all right, I know Philip Romanek, right-handed defenseman, 25 years old. I know he's having a good year this year. I'm not in love with Philip Romanek. I'm not totally in love. We got rid of him. I wasn't banging on the walls crying, why, Steve, why? I was like, cool, that's a great return. And he has moments that I just don't fucking get it. And let's be honest, as great of a year Romanek's having right now, a lot of that, a lot of that happened earlier. Remember when he had the handlebar mustache? Remember when he would just throw the puck towards the net from the blue line and it would go into the top corner? Do you remember when he scored like every fucking game? You remember when he was on a heater of a point streak? Remember that? That was a while back. 
A lot of the reason he's having this great year this year is because of that run. He's cooled off dramatically. He's doing shit like he did against Ottawa the other night, just backwards pass, borderline treasonous, as somebody put it on Twitter. Just give it here, Tim Stutzloff. Go. You're having a great season. What's one more? Go. Take it. Score. Put us out of our misery. I want to go live in Vancouver. Maybe that's what he was thinking. He heard the rumors. He knew he was on the block, and he said, fuck this. Not on my watch. We're not winning any more games. I want to get the hell out of here. Maybe. Maybe that's the case because the way that pass looked, I wouldn't be totally surprised. It was fucking disgusting that an NHL hockey player threw that pass. So Ronick's gone. Um, Bertuzzi might get moved. Anybody is Adina. There's plenty of guys. Anybody really, I think, other than Dylan Larkin. And who fucking knows? Who fucking knows? Maybe the entire reason Steve Eiserman wanted to get that extension done was to trade him away. Who fucking knows? Steve Eiserman is a madman. He's capable of anything. And there is nobody that's safe as long as he believes it'll make the Detroit Red Wings have a better chance at the Stanley Cup. Plain and simple. Needed a sip of water there. A little parched. Um... The Larkin deal. I mean, yeah, I've, I've said how I feel about Hronik, right? Thought it was a good return. I don't think we needed to trade him. I think he's a pretty good player. I don't think he's a great player. I don't think he's a guy we can't live without. Uh, again, the return's fine. Happy with it. The Larkin deal. The real meat and potatoes. The real meat and potatoes of today's podcast, of all of the news in the state of Michigan sports-wise, um, probably one of the bigger news pieces in the NHL, I would assume. Yeah, there were some big trades today for sure. A lot of guys switching hands. Uh, the Larkin extension, it's been in the news, at least around the NHL and in hockey for like all of this season. Like I said, kind of dating back to last season, it's been a talking point. So it's gr- it's great that it's done. It's great that it's done. There's a lot to unpack with it though. And I don't really fucking get how, to be honest with you. The way I see it, I'm a Red Wings fan. Grew up outside Detroit. My favorite team, the Detroit Red Wings, they just re-signed their captain, who's by far their best player, for eight years throughout the duration of his prime at $8.7 million a year. Now, do I wish Dylan Larkin signed that contract for $2 million a year? I absolutely do. I really do. I wish he signed that contract for one million dollars a year. I absolutely do. Do I wish he came to Steve Eiserman and said, "Fuck that, Steve. I'm not in it for money. I'm in it for restoring the winged wheel. I'm gonna work for free." Do I wish he said that? Absolutely, I do. Unfortunately, this is professional hockey. Unfortunately. These guys expect to get paid. And unfortunately, when you're a better player, you expect to get paid more. Here's the deal with Dylan Larkin. And I don't understand how it's even remotely, remotely polarizing. Now, I think a lot of it is the people who are like terrible overpay. We're going to regret that. We just gave a second line center, first line center money. There goes our Stanley Cup. Steve Eiserman officially has lost it. Now, All the people doing that, yes, are crazy. And do I think there actually are a ton of them? No. I think it's fake internet people running around trying to get above 400 followers. That's what I think it is. I think it's fake internet people who don't say a word to actual humans in real life who are sitting in their parents' basement ripping on Dylan Larkin because, I don't know, because he's a famous hockey player. I don't really, I don't know. I don't really understand it. Um, 
But that said, there are some people, there are rational, reasonable people who are sitting there going, look, I'm glad we got him back. I do think he's a good player. Was it an overpay? I don't know. Was it an underpay? I don't know. Probably pretty fair. Would I like for him to have taken eight mil, eight and a half mil? Yes, that would have been that would have been great, but it is what it is. Fair. Fair. If you're not throwing a fucking parade and pumping your fists and kissing your grandma on the lips because Dylan Larkin re-signed at 8.7 a year, I get that. I understand that. This wasn't like some highway robbery team-friendly deal that just guaranteed the Red Wings Stanley Cups moving forward. I understand, and I agree. But the polarization, like the actual polarization of it was a good deal or we just fucking blew it, that's where I do- that's where you lose me. That's where I just can't even like, I can't even see your side. I can't even get myself to understand what it is you're saying or what it is you're thinking or what it is that you're trying to make a point of. There were three options in the Dylan Larkin saga. Maybe four, I guess. Option number one. You re-sign him last year or extend him last year or extend him the year before, before he's heading into the summer of his unrestricted free agency, and you have a little bit more leverage. He hasn't put up another nearly point-a-game season, and the Red Wings aren't a little bit better and competing a little bit heavier, and you could probably get away with giving him $8 million a year. That's option number one. That was probably the best option, but... At the time, everybody loved Steve Eiserman. All these same people who were upset were giving him 8.7. I wouldn't be surprised if Steve Eiserman was fielding calls on Dylan Larkin last year. I wouldn't be surprised if at the deadline, at the draft, Steve Eiserman was willing to listen to what other teams had to say when it came to the captain. I wouldn't be surprised. So you got to pick one. Either let's get him at a better number, let's extend him sooner, or we should chop him around. We should see if we can't get something better. We should see if we can't go fishing for that first-line center, as the haters say. Okay, that's option one. But we passed that. That never existed as of today, as of yesterday. The other three options. Option number, I guess, two. The realistic options. You re-sign him. The next option is you let him walk in free agency and don't get anything for him. Or the third option is you trade him right now. You get a couple picks for him and you cross your fingers, pray to God and read the Bible every fucking night. I hate to cuss with the Bible in the same sentence. I'm not religious, but you might be. I really hate to do it, but I'm passionate here if you can't tell. And you pray every single night that one of those picks becomes, wait for Dylan Larkin. Those are the three options. Because I'll tell you this. If you let Dylan Larkin walk, we're not going to pay him first-line center money. He doesn't deserve that. He doesn't, no, no, we're not going to overpay. If you let Dylan Larkin walk, I promise you, I promise you, I'm not Steve Eiserman, I'm not an NHL GM, I promise you he's going to get at least $9 million a year somewhere else. I promise you. Probably more. Because once he hits the open market and there's 10 teams that want to win Stanley Cups competing for him, he's probably going to get a little bit further north than nine. I promise you. That's called the open market, folks. That's called supply and demand. There's a reason guys like Dylan Larkin don't hit unrestricted free agency at when they're 26, 27 years old all the time. There's a reason that that doesn't happen, right? 
because if it did, there'd be bidding wars in the NHL every fucking season, much like the NBA, much like baseball. Option, so we discussed option two or or, or the trading him option. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you guys. We've been the worst team in the NHL or one of the worst teams in the NHL for the last seven years, right? We've done our fair share of tanking for a good four or five of that, like being the actual worst team in the NHL. Like our Stanley Cup is the first overall pick. We have been brutal, right? I think everybody would agree. We've had zero draft lottery luck, zero number one picks, and we've drafted zero guys that at least as of today, as of March 1st, 2023, as I'm speaking, we have zero guys in the system who look like they're on the trajectory to actually be a better player than Dylan Larkin. We've drafted a handful of guys ahead of where Dylan Larkin got drafted. I think he was like the 15th pick. We've had a bunch of picks in the top 10. We've got zero guys on the team right now. Maybe more at Cider. Maybe. Maybe. We've got zero guys in the organization who look like they'll be more valuable than Dylan Larkin five years from now. Zero guys. Zero. What makes you think trading Dylan Larkin for a pick or multiple picks, what makes you think it's some guarantee? Oh, now we'll get our first line center. Oh, now we'll go get Connor to Bedard. Oh, now we'll get a McDavid. What makes you think that's the case? We make that deal. We go get picks. You're hoping the the best case scenario for that trade is one of those guys becomes Dylan Larkin. That's a win. That's a great, that is a hit on the trade if that's the case. So all we're really doing at that point is just pushing down the rebuild a couple more years. Let's be dog shit for another three. Why not? Let's get rid of the captain, by far the best player on the team. One of the only guys in his prime. On this team, let's go get a draft pick who hopefully becomes him. And then three, four, five years from now, maybe then we'll start competing for a wild card spot. That's all that is. How does that make any sense? I I don't understand it. How does that make any sense? Like the entire camp that is saying we overpaid and Steve Eiserman fucked up and we shouldn't have done it. And there goes Stanley Cups. The Everybody who's saying that, you all have different reasons, I'm sure. You all have different reasons for why we shouldn't have signed Dylan Larkin. My question is, what's the recourse? Picks and we push the rebuild down five more years or we just let them walk, period, and push the rebuild down five more years? What's I don't understand what the game plan is if we don't pay Dylan Larkin 8.7 a year. What is the next step? What is it? You go pay somebody else a fuck ton of money in free agency? You sit around with your sitting on your hands waiting for Marco Casper to hopefully become somebody. What is the next step? At some point, you need to retain your good players in order to create a better team, in order to hopefully win more games, and hopefully, hopefully to make the playoffs, and so on and so forth. That's the idea. That's how sports work. That's the idea of a rebuild. We've been rebuilding since the year 2015. It is currently the year 2023. You understand? Um, we're not in a position to just say, you know what, Dylan Larkin, don't need you. We do. We do. If Dylan Larkin wasn't on this hockey team, if you guys watch them, if you guys watch that Senator series, if Dylan Larkin wasn't on this hockey team, 
these guys would struggle to beat kids who got to hold on to chairs to stay up on their skates. That's how fucking pathetic the rest of the roster is. And one other thing I want to say in Dylan Larkin's defense. All of the people out there, he's not a first-line center. He's never been a point-of-game player. He doesn't produce. Fair. I understand. That's fair. But also in fairness, this guy's been in Detroit eight years. This is his eighth. Um, His rookie year and then finally his last year and this year are the only times in his entire career. So five out of those eight years, he's played on a team full of complete bums. He's played on hockey teams with no talent around him. And then finally last year, he gets what? 20 year old Lucas Raymond and 20 year old Moritz Sider. And wouldn't you know that he's damn near a point of game player. Wouldn't you fucking know it? He gets two guys who have some semblance of what it means to play winning hockey, 20 year old kids. And all of a sudden Dylan Larkin's almost a point of game player right back there this year. We've had injuries out the fucking wazoo. Dylan, or I mean, Lucas Raymond just came back into the lineup. Most Sider's been a little bit down, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The guy's played eight years of his career. His rookie year, he had some talent, some veterans. They went to the playoffs, got stomped, but, you know, they did. And since his rookie year, he's played with nobody. Nobody. Tell me I'm wrong because I'm not. And I'm not saying that's, oh, okay, he didn't play with anybody. Give him all the money he wants. No. But I am just saying, when you talk about he's not a point-of-game player, he doesn't produce like these other guys. Okay, fine. Let's look at it, though, in a bit of context. We have factually been one of the worst teams in the NHL since the year 2015. A lot of those years, the worst team in the NHL. This isn't the NBA, dude. LeBron doesn't just come to your team and you make the playoffs. It's not how it works. Otherwise, McDavid would have five rings. It's not how it goes. Get him some talent, and then we'll see. Maybe this center on 8.7 a year, maybe he becomes a point-of-game player. Maybe next year we bring in a couple more blue liners that know what they're doing. Berggren takes a step. Raymond takes a step. Who knows? Soderblom joins the fray. Maybe Steve Eiserman goes and gets a talented free agent, not just some veteran who can stand around on the power play and hold the stick on the ice, not just some veteran who's 35 and has been in a playoff series before. Maybe Steve Eiserman puts his balls on the fucking desk and says, let's go get a 27-year-old playmaker that can be on the wing with Dylan Larkin and stuff the net. Maybe. Let's see what happens. Just because he hasn't been a point-of-game player yet, he's been damn close. He hasn't been. He's been damn fucking close. Just because he hasn't done it yet doesn't mean he never will. Let's get him a little bit more talent. Hockey's a team game. It is tough to be a one-man show in the game of hockey. McDavid, there's nobody else like him that I've ever seen. He's an anomaly. We're not getting a McDavid. Sorry to break it to you. Give him a chance. I just don't understand the paradox. My friend, I was texting my friend Matt Londek earlier today, like venting my frustration because on Twitter, you know, I'm sitting there just arguing with faceless people who are saying stupid shit. Like Darren Helm doesn't, Darren Helm would make the same impact he did. He's a third line center. He should be getting $4 million a year. Just people who are legitimately fake, fake internet people don't exist. Wouldn't say a word in real world, in the real world. If I walked by them, which is fine. It's Twitter. It's the internet. It's what I signed up for. It's cool. But I'm texting my friend, Matt Londek, real person actually friends with him. I know he watches hockey games. Isn't an idiot. It's great. I love talking to people that I know are not morons. And uh, I'm, I was just venting like, dude, 
I don't get, I don't understand like the, the, the camp that says, why'd you pay him? I get people going, yeah, I wish it was 8.5. Yeah, bro. I wish it was a million dollars a year. I get it. Yeah, obviously. I wish it was less money is what it is. That's how sports fucking work. You want to keep good players. You got to pay them good money. I, I was venting like, what, what's the alternative? And I ran through the reasons I did with you. And he said it perfectly. He said, yeah, I also don't totally understand. Like, do these people think guys like Larkin grow on fucking trees? Bingo. Bingo. There's no better way to put it for anybody out there who's saying he's overpaid. Anybody out there saying we should have traded him. Anybody out there saying we should have let him walk. Do you think players like Dylan Larkin grow on trees? Because if your answer is yes, you don't watch hockey. You don't pay attention to hockey. You definitely don't watch the Red Wings. You have no recollection of the history of the guys Steve Eiserman himself has drafted these last few years and their trajectory. You've got no idea what's going on. You've got no clue. Guys like Dylan Larkin don't just grow on trees. Do you understand? Plain and simple. I think it was a good deal. It was a deal that had to be done. He had the leverage being an unrestricted free agent come the summertime. I think it's great regardless. I think he's a good two-way player. I think he's great offensively. I think he will get better as the talent around him fills in. Um, I think, you know, he's the only guy in that Ottawa series that did a fucking thing about Brady Kachuk being a punk. Yeah, it was a penalty and they scored. Well, it was 4-1 already. Who gives a fuck? that they scored on that power play. We were dead dogs by that point. He's the only guy that came within a foot of Kachuk. Bodied him, let him know he was there. Nobody else on the team wanted to even breathe near Kachuk. Tyler Bertuzzi is supposed to be an enforcer. Didn't do fuck all about it. Warren Sider, pretty, usually pretty rough and tumble. Didn't do fuck all about Brady Kachuk. Dylan Larkin stepped in a little bit, though. He does stuff like that. He's got the toughness. He's one of the better skaters in the league. And then, obviously, it's cool. You know, he's the hometown boy. He played in Michigan. Um... I think it's a deal that had to be done. I'm glad Steve Eiserman got it done. I'm glad we can be done with it. Um, I'm glad I don't need to listen to people talking about, let him go, let him walk, trade him, because you're an idiot that doesn't make any fucking sense to do any of those things. And uh, I like him as a player. I like him as a leader. I like him as a guy. And I want the Red Wings to win games. I want the Red Wings to put a better team on the ice next year. I want the Red Wings from now on for the next 10 years to put a team better on the ice each year better than the last. That's what I want. And getting rid of Dylan Larkin, your best player and your captain, moves in the opposite fucking direction of that. So I'm glad they got the deal done. I'm looking forward to watching Dylan Larkin for eight more in Hockey Town. All right, um, we'll take a quick break. And I got to talk about Michigan State a little bit. I just had to talk about Nebraska. We'll talk a little bit about Michigan, too. It's just I declared Michigan State dead. I didn't watch the second half. I was pissed. I was ripping on everybody. They came back. Outscored. Outscored Nebraska 54-29. Uh, couldn't miss a – excuse me, just had dinner. Couldn't miss a three. And I got roasted for it, which is fair, uh, rightfully so. I would have done the same. Um, but you know, I just couldn't handle it. I'd watch the Red Wings twice. I'd watch that Iowa game. I'd watch the first half. I was legitimately like fearful. I was going to do something drastic, not to myself, but like, I, I just, it was better if I just didn't watch and I'm glad I didn't cause they won. Who knows what would have happened if I would have stuck around. So quick break. We'll talk about that. Hand up. Said they were dead. 
couldn't take it anymore. Um, turned the well, I left the game on actually. I changed my clothes. I put on a gym outfit. I filled up this little puppy right here. 32 ounces of ice cold, not beer, but water. I got my headphones fully charged. I got my little fob that lets me into the gym in my apartment complex. Laced up my Asics. Fucking comfortable. Shout out to my dad. Great Christmas gift. If you're a runner, if you need new tennis shoes, Asics, highly recommend. Wouldn't take them out on the basketball court, right? Wouldn't do a ton of agility training with them. But if you're going to walk, you're going to run. Yeah, absolutely. Let's rock with the Asics. Comfy as hell. Could they improve in the style department? Sure. Neither here nor there. And I left. Turn the lights off, close the door behind me. I left. I said, I'm not doing it anymore. I can't watch the rest of this game without becoming a mentally insane human being. Now, I know what you're thinking. You are a mentally insane human being. And you might be right about that. You very well might be right about that. But I know what? If I watch that second half and it was anything like the first half, or something happened, we came back and we ended up losing anyway. I don't know what I would be today. I don't know what this would sound like. I don't know what my apart. I don't know if I'd still be in California, dude. I might be in jail in fucking Guantanamo. I don't know. That's the point. I just couldn't do it. Had to go lift some weights, blow off some steam, think about other things. Left the phone at home too. You believe that shit? I said that in the video after the game. People were like, you left your phone at home? Of all the things I said about how... I stopped watching the game about how I was pissed about how I was ranting and raving about how I don't think Michigan state. I don't think we'll get to it, but how I said, you know, they're not that good. Most people were like, you left your phone at home. That's fucking crazy. I thought that was pretty funny. It's a good time. You work out, you go to the gym and stuff, not cardio cardio. I'll always listen because it's just so boring, especially in the winter when the weather sucks. Um, weights without a phone ain't such a bad life. It really isn't. If you're like me and you are fucking addicted to your phone, uh, it's it's kind of nice. You waste less time. You're more locked in. All I'm thinking about is I'm going to get so jacked. Some Hollywood executive might see me getting a coffee and say, hey, we're shooting a new Marvel film. Would you like to play it? Playing a role in it? You know, I don't know. That's what I'm thinking without the phone. So, you know, don't knock it until you try it. Here's my thing with MSU. And look, I'm glad they won, dude. I went to Michigan State. I don't get worked up about this shit because I don't care. I don't get angry when the Iowa game happens because I'm indifferent. I don't get worked up and storm out of my apartment after the first half in Nebraska because I'm like, oh, they're going to lose today, whatever. I do it because I care. I want them to win. I want them to be successful. I am a Detroit sports fan. You guys know that by now. I grew up watching the Lions. The Tigers are rebuilding again. They just rebuilt for eight years. We're rebuilding again. The Pistons have rebuilt since I could ride a bicycle. Um, and the Red Wings, you know, we saw how this season's going to end. It's not going to be great. We're not going to make the playoffs. I just, at some point, I need a little bit of a break. It was a breaking point. The straw that broke the camel's back. King, isn't that a fable? King someone? Or, or I don't know what I'm thinking of. I just couldn't do it. I needed a quick break. That's all. I'm glad Michigan State won. It's good. It punched the ticket to the tournament. And at the end of the day with this team, that's all I really care about. Let's keep the streak alive. We're Michigan State. We should not be missing tournaments, especially when the Big Ten is as weak as it is this year. Let's keep the streak alive. We'll get to March. March Madness is fun. Who knows? Shit might happen. Let's let's get crazy. It still didn't change a whole lot about what I think about this team. And here, let me get back to what I was going to say earlier. I understand how spoiled we are. 
I understand how entitled we are. I understand that MSU fans, we are absurd people. And there's some of you out there, whether you're being truthful about it or not, there are some people out there who at halftime were hammering the MSU money line. At halftime, we're firing out tweets, Michigan State's going to win this game. At halftime, we're going, I'm not even worried. Those people exist, and fucking more power to you, buddy. You're unbelievable. And I saw someone else say, imagine if, <laughs> this is kind of funny, imagine if Michigan State's basketball team had the mental toughness of the fans. <laughs> That's a good point. We'd be fucked. But at the same time, if I was disgusting at basketball like those guys are, I'd probably be a little bit more like, yeah, we'll be okay. I'm nuts at shooting threes. We'll be all right. Like if I'm Jaden Akins, I'm at halftime going, dude, I'm going to just go fucking nuclear in the second half and we'll win the game. It'd probably be a little different as opposed to 5'10 me who every time I jump, my left knee starts to hurt. Probably be a little different. Michigan State is a good team in the grand scheme of college basketball. There's 160 or whatever. I don't know, 130 or something. Division one programs, right? I don't know. Something crazy. Over 100. I think we're like Ken Palm or whatever those, like the statistic grades for for schools. I think we're in the top 30, 25 maybe, which is good. In the grand scheme, that's good. Here, here is my point. For Michigan State, going back to how spoiled we are and how we are entitled, whether we want to admit it or not, we are. And kind of Tom Izzo's own undoing. He built such an incredible program competes at such a high level every year, so many Final Fours, so many great players, this, that, the other, that now when we have a couple of years where it's not great and we're not winning the Big Ten and we're not going to Final Fours, people start to get a little restless. It sucks that that's the case. Like, you do such a good job that when you do a pretty good job, people get angry. That sucks. Like, that's probably annoying as fuck for Tom Izzo, I understand. But it's the reality of the situation. We're MSU. Right, we we should be playing for Big Ten championships almost every single year, right? The goal should be Final Fours every single year, almost. Like there is no, hey, let's just make the tournament, let's beat Nebraska on the road, and let's throw a party. That's not that's not the MSU I know. That's not what that's not Michigan State basketball throwing a party because we beat Nebraska on the road. And I know Hoiberg. Has gotten some guys there, and Nebraska is getting a little better. I know, I know, I know, but we're Michigan State. You understand? And in the grand scheme of Michigan State, this team isn't one of the better teams we've had. When I went to college there, they had the Denzel year my freshman year. Obviously, Middle Tennessee sucked, but they won the Big Ten. The next year was the one-down year. We made the tournament. We lost to Kansas, the one-versus-eight seed. It was when Miles, Cassius, all those guys were freshmen. And then it was the next year, Syracuse, but we won the Big Ten. We're a great team. Syracuse sucked. And then the following year, my senior year, <clears throat> was the final four year. The th three out of the four years I was in school, we were winning Big Tens. And it was like, we're going to win the Natty. It was like final four or bust. Every single year I was at school, except for the freshman year for all those guys. And even then, going into that Kansas game, I know Kansas was great and we were never supposed to win that game. But people were like, fuck it, dude. We got... We got Miles Bridges. We got Josh Langford. Like Cassius Winston's kind of coming along. Like we got some guys who fucking knows what'll happen. We're not that anymore. And it's unfair to this team. I will also admit it's unfair for me to sit here and get all upset and talk about how they aren't, they aren't up to the standard and whatever it else I'm going to complain about. It's not fair to this team to do that because the last couple of years have been the same. The last couple of years have been the same deal where we're not going to win the big 10. 
we're not going to go to the final four. We made the tournament and that's good enough. That's unfair to this team to hold the last two years against them, but it's human nature, dude. I can't help it. I can't help it. Like the snowball effect of this being the third straight year where the big Ten's not even a possibility that snowballs. And that adds a little bit to why I get so upset. I know it's not fair. I know I probably shouldn't do that, but I do. It's how my brain works. It's how I think. Even though they came back and they won that game and it was great, you know, showing the resilience. They could have given up. They could have called it a day. The place was going nuts. It's Nebraska senior night. That to- to- Tominaga guy is fucking Steph Curry. Um, they could have rolled over and called it. So it's impressive that they didn't. A.J. Hogard, after the atrocious first half he had, ends up with 14 assists and goes crazy in the second half. Tyson Walker does what he's done all year and hits massive shots. Joey Hauser hits some shots. Jaden Akins, I think he had 14 or 16 or something in the second half alone. He went crazy. That's good to see. That's great to watch. I'm excited about that. Yes. I still don't think it changes my mind about like what this team is. We're going to make the tournament. We'll probably win a game or two in the Big Ten tournament and then hopefully the actual tournament, at least one in March Madness. But I don't like that game, that win didn't change anything for me on this team. Like we still know what these guys are. When everyone's firing and Hogard's playing well and he's taking care of it and he's locked in and he's not doing the uh, LeBron body language after he gives up a layup, when Tyson Walker's on one, when Joey Hauser's hitting threes, when Jaden Akins is playing aggressively and knocking down shots, when all that's going our way, yeah, absolutely we can play with anybody in the country. Yes, when everything goes right, we can play with anybody. When everything goes right, we do have one of the best backcourts in the country. Absolutely. The question is, can you get that to go right? And they've shown an inability to get all that to go right consistently. And I'm sure as well as the last couple of years, that Iowa game compounding added to the frustration because that was a game they played well in. Just a freak occurrence. Iowa went, Iowa went crazy in the last two minutes and we lost. Yes, that added to it as well. But I still think the point remains is we know what the peak is. The problem is we don't come out at that level every single night. We don't even, like half the time we play, we come out at that level. And in March... You lose once and it's over with. There's no room for error. A.J. Hogarth can't have a shitty game in March Madness. Tyson Walker, God forbid, he has a bad shooting night in the tournament. We're out. Jaden Akins doesn't want to be aggressive, isn't knocking down shots. We're out. Joey Hauser's missing open threes. We're out. We can't afford to have that off night. We're not good enough across the floor, off the bench, in the front court. We're not good enough overall as a team, as past MSU teams have been, to cover up for a guy having an off night, to cover up for people missing shots. We don't have that luxury this year, plain and simple. People may not want to hear it, but I think that's the truth. I think deep down, you could be the biggest MSU rah-rah guy. Everything's great. This team can do it all this year. You could have that mindset, but I think deep down, you know, we can't afford to have an off night. And when March comes around, And after the round of 64, we're going to be a seven seed. We're going to be a six seed, eight seed, who knows, something like that. That second game in the tournament, we're going to play a good fucking basketball team. And if we don't come out firing, we don't come out with our most important players locked in, there's no chance we're winning that basketball game, plain and simple. So I think that (coughs) – 
<clears throat> that was part of my frustration where it's like, dude, even if we come back and win this game, and yeah, it's impressive that they did, how much really changes in the grand scheme? That doesn't make me go, oh, whoa, whoa, hold a second. These guys might be capable of a Final Four run. Maybe they will. I hope to God that they do. Maybe they shock the world and they're a seven seed in the Final Four like 2014. Tyson Walker is the next Travis Trice. Hopefully that happens. And hopefully I look like an idiot and I'm eating my words and we're dancing and celebrating and I'm making a t-shirt and it's all good, good and well in East Lansing. I hope that happens. I can't lie, though. I can't lie to myself and I can't lie to you. I had someone else respond to, uh, I think, the video I made, and he's like, (laughs) made me a little sad, actually. He's like, come on, man. I look to you and uh, Odell Bredham. Like, you guys are the two, you guys are the two protagonists I look to for Michigan State. You guys usually keep it pretty positive. You guys got a good head on your shoulders. Come on, man. I need you. I hear you, brother. I hear you. And I do try to be positive. Like I said, if you followed and if you know me and if you've listened, I do try to keep it pretty positive. That's my natural inclination. My first instinct is always to be like, all right, well, hold on a second. We'll be okay here. Like, let's look at the positives as opposed to doom and gloom. But I'm not going to come on here just because that's who I am naturally and who I want to be and who I guess you could say I built a little bit of a brand on being. I'm still not going to come on here and tell you, hey, it's all good and well when the house is burning down. I can't do that either. So despite winning that game against Nebraska – I still just think like this team, we're in the same spot that we were in that first half. We're a pretty good team. We're capable of playing really well. We're capable of playing with anybody when things are going right. The problem is things don't always go right. A lot of the time, things don't go right. We're still weak in the front court. I hate to say it. We're not great on the glass. We're not good at defending the paint. Our one big man who's going to be matched up against any of these power bigs we might face in the tournament, Madi Sissoko, he still struggles in a lot of aspects of his game. Jackson Kohler, as much as he's come along and he's pretty good offensively, he's too slow defensively. Malik Hall, Joey Hauser, as much as I love those guys, they're a little too small. They're not strong enough on the rebounds. Like, it is what it is. This team is still in the same boat as they were in the first half for me, which is, We might win a couple in the Big Ten. And then we might win one or two in the tournament. And that's, I think that's, that's probably it. Because if we do make a Sweet 16 appearance and we upset a two seed, we, you got to bring it again the next game. You're not playing some bums in the next one. It's not Minnesota in the Sweet 16. You're playing another really good fucking team who's hot and is feeling good about themselves. You, there is no room for, ah, I had a shitty game. Backcourt didn't show up today. Got out-rebounded by 10. There is no room for that. And I think that this team, in a one-of-one game, offshoot game, they could beat anybody at any time. But when you got to play well game after game after game after game, that's where we're going to see some issues. That's where it's going to fall apart in my mind at some point. And again, the last thing I'll say. I understand we're spoiled, and I understand I sound entitled Michigan State fans. I get it. Just going to the tournament and winning a round of 64 game or even making a Sweet 16 appearance, that shouldn't be Mount Everest. 
That shouldn't be the end-all be-all. And to me, it feels like this team, like a sweet 16 appearance for these guys, like that's it. That's the max. That's where, hey, we had a great fucking year. We did everything we could. The sweet 16. And that's not what MSU is about. That's why, That's not what I know Michigan State basketball to be. And that's why I get so frustrated, and that's why I'm sitting there going, I can't fucking – I can't take another half of that. When I know what we can be, and I've seen us get to those heights, and now it's year three again where the Sweet 16 would be awesome. I can't sit here and go, well, it's fucking great. What is – well, it's great. We made the Sweet 16. What's that? Why would anybody be upset? I just can't do that. And I don't know that this team has much more than that in them. I hate to say it, but I think it's the truth. It's what I feel. I watch them play. I've watched them play all season long. I've seen them play good teams. I've seen them play bad teams. I've seen them play at home. I've seen them play at the road. I was at a neutral site game against Gonzaga, even though that was in November. I've seen them play enough. I think I know what they are, and I I don't think it's a Final Four team. It's the ugly truth, but I think it's the truth. Michigan basketball. How about the run they're on, huh? How about the run Michigan's on? Kobe Bufkin is unreal. Um, Hunter Dickinson starting to come along. I was watching that game they played against Wisconsin where Dickinson hit that shot. I couldn't fucking believe he did. God damn it, that sucked. I cannot stand that guy, but I don't want to rip on him, dude. It's whatever. Um, if they keep winning, they might just sneak into the tournament. For all the shit we were giving them earlier on, NIT, NIT. These guys might fuck around and make the tournament after all. They're one of the hotter teams in the country. Kobe Bufkin looks like one of the best guards in the country. And they've been doing this. They've been on this little run without Jet. Maybe Jet's not quite the guy they thought he was. Maybe Jet, you know, him shooting it 20 times a game or whatever he does, doing the hero ball thing isn't in the best interest for Michigan. But they've come along lately. They're starting to win some games. They're starting to look pretty fucking good. It's crazy to me, even if they do make the tournament, that at this point in the season, they've got returning All-American Hunter Dickinson, and they've got two potential first-round picks in Jed Howard and Kobe Bufkin. It's crazy that they're in this position at all, that they're on the border of the tournament. But I think they might fucking make it, dude. I really don't want them to for a couple reasons. One being, obviously, I just don't want Michigan to succeed. But two, if they do get into the tournament, I think they could make a little bit of noise. If they get into the tournament, that means they are still on fucking fire. And that team on fire, Kobe Bufkin on fire, that guy scares me. We saw it firsthand. That guy scares me. Kobe Bufkin can fucking play, brother. I don't want to see that in the tournament. I don't want to see them a third time. No, 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 not me. I don't think anybody in the Big Ten tournament is going to want to see you of them. We'll see what happens tonight against Illinois, but good day. Wouldn't be surprised if they go to Champaign and win that thing and start to make a little bit of a run here. I would not be surprised. Their rebound has been impressive. You have to give it to them. As much as I might hate Michigan and as much as we've clowned them early on and as much as Juwan has gotten clowned, dude, if they fuck around and end up making the tournament, that's that's one of the more impressive rebounds, I think, in all of college basketball, a midseason rebound. As we've seen all around the country, it's impressive by Juwan. And it's impressive by those guys, dude. They're they're they got some potential. They're similar to us, dude. Except they have Dickinson in the front court. They're similar to us. Like if Kobe goes, they go. 
Dickinson goes, they go. Terrace Reed's a nice fucking player they got as a freshman. I wish he was in the green and white. We could use that exact type of guy. If we got a guy like Terrace Reed on MSU squad, I think we probably got two or three more wins this year, honestly. Honestly, they got some pieces over there. They're making a run. Good for Michigan. All right, that's all I got today, folks. Just wanted to talk about the Larkin extension, the Red Wings, um, Michigan State, the Nebraska game, and a little bit on Michigan. We'll be back tomorrow. Probably not going to talk any sports tomorrow unless another Red Wings move happens, which I don't know if it will, but Tyler Bertuzzi or someone gets traded. We'll talk about it. Otherwise, we're going to do an episode, and I'm going to just talk about random shit, make some jokes, a little lighthearted, have some fun. As always, I appreciate you guys. Keep spreading the word. Keep sharing. Keep listening. Keep supporting. Check out the YouTube. I'll be back tomorrow.